Uh, I'm so excited to, to dive in this morning. So if you've got your notes, go ahead and grab those. We've been talking over these last couple of weeks about the small disciplines in our life and how it's the small disciplines that produce the big results, the big things that we are all seeking after, the future that God has for our life. And, and our future, our destiny is directly tied to the small habits and small things, that, decisions we make every single day of our life. In week one, we talked about our thoughts. In week two, last week, if you missed last week, I don't know if it was encouraging for you. But man, last week's message has gotten my spirit in such a deep way and has challenged me to use my words in a life-giving way. And it's amazing how when we do inventory of our words, whether life-taking or life-giving, how it can change the whole environment that we're in change your whole mindset. If you missed last week, jump online and, and check that out. And today I want to talk about our, our actions. I've shared this quote every week, and so let me share it one more time. It says, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. And watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. I think for some, you know, you've really enjoyed the series, and I think there's others in the room that are like, man, pastor, thank God it's the last week of habits, because I blew mine in week one. You know, some of you, you made that decision, 2020 is going to be the year you're going to get in shape, right? And in week one, you went to the gym three times. A couple weeks ago, you went one time, and this past week, you just waved at the gym as you drove by, you know? You just thought, maybe if I look at it, I'll lose weight, and it doesn't work. And wherever you're at, I know this is, I think, I think that the struggle is that we all want to make change. We all want to develop discipline in our life, but, but there's temptation, there's struggles, there, there's things that just creep back in and keep us from becoming who God wants us to be. And I don't know if for you it is temptation or if it, if it is sin. Maybe for some of us in the room, it's a negative mindset that you have a hard time just getting over and you want to make change, but that old way of thinking keeps coming back in. Or maybe it's failure. Maybe, maybe it is. And you've reached that place of complacency and that place of frustration where you've tried so many times to make a change and it almost feels hopeless. The enemy's got you stuck in such a corner of hopelessness because you can't seem to get out of that rut that you're living in. And I just want to declare that God has better for us today. God, God didn't, we just sang about the power of the cross and seeing Jesus again in eternity. Listen, God didn't go through all of that so we would live our lives in bondage. I really believe that God endured all that and knew our sins so that he could set us free and we could walk in all the power and victory that he has for us. Can somebody say amen? Amen. But today I want to just look at a moment in time where Jesus in his humanness went through some of the same temptation and same struggle that that we experience even in our own life and how we deal with temptation and how we make te steps towards living out a life that honors God and habits that honors God. So today, if you would, if you've got your notes or you're following along in your Bible, or your app, let's jump to Matthew chapter four. I wanna read an extended portion of scripture this morning. And I wanna set it up by giving us just some context for what is going on. Jesus, here in Matthew chapter four, he's just been baptized by John. 
You remember there the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. The Father shows up, splits the clouds, and he declares, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. It was a moment where Jesus is preparing for his ministry. And so as we continue into Matthew chapter 4, Jesus goes into a season of fasting, 40 days. And right there in that season of fasting, he's met with the devil head on and faces temptation in a few different ways. And I kind of want to set, use this passage to set up where we're going this morning and talk about how we deal with struggles, how we deal with temptation in our life. So if you're ready, say, oh yeah. Matthew chapter 4, look with me. Here we go. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I don't know that Matthew really needed to tell us he was hungry there, but he thought that was important. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want you to notice this before we move on. I'm going to share a couple other moments of temptation that Jesus encounters is that every time Jesus is attacked by the enemy, his first response is always to declare the word of God. Uh, he's pulling scripture from the book of Deuteronomy, one of the first five books uh, of the Old Testament. And so with every response he gives to the enemy, he's not coming up with an idea, a self-help tip or something he found on WebMD. He's, he's looking to God's word. I, and it's so good for me because I went through a situation. I declared last week, man, I declared, this is my word of the year. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I'm going to be consistent, steadfast and movable. And I went through a situation this week where I sat in the car and I had to meditate on 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I, I, I had, it had to be the rock on which I stood because I faced attack in a way that I did not see coming and I really didn't know how to handle it. And, and I, I just want to encourage you, get a word. Get a word for your year. Get a word for your week and rest on it. Sit on it. And when the, the devil throws darts at you, man, come back at him with God's word and declare God's greatness in your life. Amen? Amen. And so here, here, here's the first type of temptation. This is in your notes. Just a little extra credit right here. It's the temptation to be self-sufficient. That's what the enemy uses on Jesus right here when he says, hey, well, why don't you turn these stones to bread? It's the temptation to be self-sufficient. Oftentimes the enemy, he goes and he tempts us in the place where we feel pain the most. Oftentimes the place we feel pain the most is in the place of our greatest need. Jesus, Matthew says, was hungry. And the first temptation that, Jesus, that, that the enemy offers Jesus is one to fill his fleshly need. That's the way the enemy works in our life so often. I said it just a few weeks ago. That's why we got to halt. Be wise when we're hungry, when we're angry, when we're lonely, and when we're tired. Oftentimes when we're empty, we're the most vulnerable. That's where the enemy finds Jesus in this moment. But it goes on. Let's continue in the passage. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, notice that. There's a small two-letter word right there. Just underline it. it says, if, if. Can I tell you, you often know when the enemy is working in your life 
when you're full of doubt, when you're questioning everything, when you're going through a situation and your health's not the way it should be and you're you're wondering, does prayer really work? Does faith really work? Is God really with me? If God was for me, then why aren't things working out the way I'd hope? Have you been there before? Where, where, Where the enemy puts the if statements in our life. And notice he questions the sovereignty of God every time when he attacks Jesus. He says, not you are the son of God. He says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift up, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered him, He goes back to the word again. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. What's the temptation here? It's the temptation to be spectacular. It's the temptation to be spectacular. The enemy often works in the area of our greatest gifting as well. He says to Jesus, come on, man, why don't you just show us one of your Nick Walenda tricks? Come on, get on the tightrope and walk across and, you know, throw yourself down and show us how you can do it, how awesome you are. He tempts us in the area of our greatest gifting. But then it goes on, it says this, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written. I don't know if I've said it yet in this message, but get a word for this year. Get a word for your week, and man, just meditate on it and cling to it. He says this, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended to him. What's the temptation here? It's the temptation to be powerful. The temptation to be powerful. Jesus didn't take a shortcut. Oftentimes, the enemy is looking for ways to tempt us that will help us feel successful, feel great, feel great in man's eyes. But Jesus didn't fall for that. Here's the deal. We all want to make changes in our life. We all want to develop new patterns and new habits that can change our life. But I believe the enemy is working overtime to put temptation. And oftentimes, when opportunity is the greatest in our life, that's usually the season we experience the greatest attack. Let me, let me say it again. Jesus is about to begin his ministry. It's, it's, there's no doubt that the reason the enemy showed up at the, at the moment of his greatest opportunity, because when the enemy knows you're about to do something great for God, that's when he works the hardest. You follow me this morning? If you're taking notes, Look, I want to talk about just a few things when it comes to temptation. Number one is this. Temptation, it shows us the bait and it hides the hook. Temptation shows us the bait and hides the hook. It's like a fishing lure. Most fish wouldn't jump on just a hook, but if you put the right bait there. Here's the way temptation works in our life. It starts out with, with lust. I want it. Entitlement. I deserve it. And pride. I need it. I want it. I deserve it. And I need it. I want a few drinks. I deserve a few drinks. I need. I can handle a few drinks. I I I want a new car. I deserve a new car. And I can handle the payments. We're laughing because we know it's true in our life. It's the way the enemy works. 
I wanted to illustrate it for you this week. I mean, this, this is close to home for me. I went to the store just to grab and, and show you today. I, I bought a bag of sugar. This is, this is the hook, everybody. Probably one of the most addictive substances. One of my favorite things, too, by the way, sugar. You, you know, I was thinking about it. I went in and, and uh, I had to figure out where, where you go to buy sugar. Um, I've never bought a bag of sugar before. We don't do a lot of baking at the house, and typically we just let Publix do that for us. <laughs> they do a real, real good job, by the way. Can, can I tell you this? I've never been up watching TV or watching a game, sitting in my recliner, relaxing, and been tempted to have something to eat and thought, man, I'm going to go to the cupboard and pull out the bag of sugar and a spoon <laughs> and just eat, eat the bag. I mean, if you have, we're going to have prayer at the end of service this morning, and, and I'm going to relate to you, and we're going to pray through. I've never done that. I've never done that. This is... This is, the, this is the hook. This is the hook. There's nothing shiny about it. It's $1.65. You know where you find sugar? On the bottom shelf. It's not high. It's not close. There's nothing attractive about it. There's no BOGO on it. It's just sugar. But, but I also bought one of these. And I've never bought one of these before as well. This is the first time for me this week. <laughs> I, I'm excited to see what they taste like. Hershey, Hershey's milk chocolate. I don't even, king size. This is on sale two for four right now. You can get it. You don't even have to go deep into the store to find it. It's eye level right by the cash register. In this shiny package and in real small, small print that you need, you know, your glasses to, to read, have all the ingredients and all the things you don't want to know about what's inside this. It's the bait. It's the bait. It, it's the disguise. It's the disguise. This is the way the enemy works. He doesn't show us the hook. He shows us the bait. I can tell you many times, sitting, watching a game on my recliner, I, I, I've, I've had the mind not to go eat spoonfuls of sugar, but to eat Hershey's candy bars and M&Ms and every other thing that feels good. And can I tell you this, for somebody that struggles with sugar, oftentimes the way I have to talk myself out of going and eat a candy bar is I have to say this, Wes, do you want to go eat spoonfuls of sugar right now? And the truthful answer I tell myself is no. What you, what you want right now is not sugar. What you want right now is the lie. You want the trap. You, you have fallen for something that offers temporary satisfaction but brings long-term pain. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. But listen, I'm just telling you, here's the way the enemy works. And that's what he does. He doesn't show us the hook. He shows us the bait. He also, he rationalizes sin as a virtue. He rationalizes sin as a virtue. He helps us figure out a way in our mind to make the way we're living justifiable. It's like ice cream. 
I don't know if all my illustrations are going to be dessert this morning, but I've got a few. You know, there's times where you know you're, you maybe should just spoon out a couple and put it in a bowl. Be like, no, I don't want to get the dishes dirty. I mean, I care about the environment. I have to run the dishwasher. The electricity is going to be used. No, man, I want to do good. I want to be earth friendly. I'm going to eat this thing straight from the carton. Come on. Listen, we turn it into a virtue. I mean, we justify it. I'm not greedy. I'm thrifty. I'm thrifty. I'm not a gossip. I'm just a really concerned individual. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just a social person. It's not porn if it's on Instagram. Oh, man. I don't want to meddle, but let me just stay here for a minute. My God. The enemy is doing everything he can to kill us. And he will use a tool like a social media platform that's, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just talking to my friends. I'm seeing their pictures, watching their story. And one minute we can be looking at a Bible verse on a picture, and the next minute we can see a half-naked person. And we've justified it because, well, it's, it's social media. Man, it's, we don't even have to go to a porn site now. We just could pull up a social media app. I just want to be real with you, church. The enemy is doing everything he can to show us the bait and hide the hook. But I'm declaring this is going to be a year of freedom in Jesus' name. I believe it. I believe it. I really do. He rationalizes sin as a virtue. But then what does he do? He makes sin look better than life itself. He makes sin look better than life itself. James says this, sin... Sin is fun for a season. One pastor said this. He said, if sin isn't fun at first, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Sin, it feels good for a while. But here's the deal, church. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. That's why we say all the time, our slogan is who we are, Bay Chapel. We exist to help people find God and find life. Because there's no better life to live than one that's completely surrendered and full of Jesus in our lives. The fourth one is this. Temptation makes a godly life seem impossible. There's people in the room today. that You know your struggles. You know your issues. And you're at a place where you feel like, man, I could never be used by God. Because I know that, that habit. I know that struggle. I know what sets me back. And... I don't think I could ever walk in freedom. You feel bound. You feel like you could never attain or be good enough. I gotta tell you, God loves us right where we are. He's a gracious God. He's a good God. And the enemy's lie in our life is intimidation. He wants to do everything he can to get home field advantage in your life. So that when you walk on the field, all you can hear is the roar and the lie of the enemy. All the things that you're not and can't be and that you've done. And it's just dated. Look at the devil in the eye and say, I'm not going to live like that anymore. I titled this message Overcomer this morning. 
Because I declare and I believe it today, we're a church full of overcomers. We're going to be people that are overcomers. We're going to walk in victory. We're not going to believe the lie of the enemy, but we're going to walk in truth and stand on God's word. What is it for you today that's creating chaos in your life? What is it for you today that's keeping you from everything that God wants you to be? I think it starts by acknowledging it, by facing it head on. Because I cannot defeat what I won't define. I cannot defeat what I won't define. I got to look in the eye and say, this is my struggle, and I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to move on. I'm going to be victorious in Jesus' name. What is it for you? Maybe it's an attitude, a critical spirit, a complaining heart, a gossiping tongue. You know, you say it's a prayer request, but really, you're just talking about people. Maybe it's overeating, sweets, fast food, snacks. It's, maybe it's digital. Maybe it is social media. You're binge watching. You're... you're, you're you're addicted to video games. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's a substance. Today, you need to say, this is the, this is the end of the rope. I'm moving forward in Jesus. I want to live as an overcomer. Paul writes as he ends the book of Ephesians. What a powerful book. Six chapters. And he says this in verse 10. He says, finally, he's closing it up. He says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, what, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What is he saying? He's saying this, we got to start fighting the right fight. We're trying to fight everybody and everything and realize this is everything is spiritual. Like your spouse isn't the problem. Your enemy is the problem. And he's doing everything he can to make your spouse the problem. He's doing everything he can to make that substance the problem or, or that TV or, or that phone the problem. That's not the problem. The problem is the enemy that's using all those things. Recognize the source of the sin and the struggle and then fight that head on. So be full of God's mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. I want to give you two things as we close today. Just encourage us to live a life an overcomer. I hope you're encouraged by this message this morning. Number one is this. This is, this is the message right here. I've got to trade what feels good for what is good. I've got to trade what feels good for what is good. I think that for some of us, we have so much feel good in our life that we don't even realize what looks good really is like. We've been so clouded by all the stuff of the world. I want to illustrate it for you real quick. This week, Jen's been gone on the missions trip. What an amazing time they had, by the way, in the DR. And uh, just, just had an awesome time being with my boys this week. We did a lot of things to, to bond. Took them out. We had Taco Bell multiple times this week, everybody. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the second night I showed up to Taco Bell, it was the same lady in the drive-thru, and she smiled at me. I smiled back, and I said, my wife is out of town. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was like, she's smiling at me like, you eating here again? <laughs> Oh, we had a good time. 
You know, one of the best ways I like to bond with the boys is to go clean their room, man. It just, it just feels good. Feels good, man. We turned some music on this week, and uh, we started going through stuff that needed to do have been gone through a long time ago. And so we set the clock. I try to make a competition out of it, give them a certain amount of time. All right, guys, come on. If you do this, uh, you know, if you get done a certain amount of time, we're going to get ice cream. You know, just, no, I, I didn't do ice cream, but I, I see you're judging me already. <laughs> so they got this bookshelf in the back corner. And there are books on top of books on top of books. They're flowing over. They're on top of the bookshelf. They're on the side of the bookshelf. There's books from when they were a baby. I mean, it's, it, it's ridiculous. So I, Ben, you're the bookshelf guy. I want you to organize this thing. I come back like 30 minutes later, everybody, and I look, and Ben is sitting there on the floor so innocently reading a book. He's gone through about three books at this point, and there's about 300 in the bookshelf. I said, Ben, no, we're going to read the books later, man. Right now, I want you to organize the books. What I realized is that as Ben started organizing all those books, he started to find stuff that he hadn't seen in a long time. And, and here he was pulling out this treasure that was lost amongst all this other stuff. All this other stuff baby books and books he hadn't read in years, books he never wanted, Chick-fil-A books that he was never going to read again, you know, all these little pamphlets that he got at every amusement park he's been to. And like, Ben, all right, we're going to play a game. We're going to have the keep it pile and the give it pile. All right, I got Ben as we went into fast forward, man. I mean, and we ended that thing and we had about 40, 50 good books left. Here's what I realized. And I talked to him about it. I said, guys, you have so many good things in here, so many great things that you want to read, but you didn't know they were there. They've been hidden amongst all this stuff that you don't care about anymore. It was good at one time, but it's not the best for you right now. It's not what you want the most. And in order to get to what you want the most, you've got to get rid of the stuff that you don't need. Do you see where, where I'm going? For some of us, God is the treasure that we need. He's the best. He's everything we could want. He's everything that could satisfy. But for some of us, we've got so much stuff that feels good right now that we just don't realize how good God is. That's why fasting is so powerful. It's separating ourselves from everything that feels good right now so we can get the thing that we need the most. It's saying no to what's temporary and what tingles and what satisfies so we can say yes to what is best. And I want to make a decision today. I'm trading what feels good so I can get what is good in my life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Here's what James 1 says. It says, so get rid of every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. Submit to God and accept the word that he plants in your hearts which is able to save you. Get the word, get the word in your heart. Find a word for this year. Find a word for this week. Number two, refuse to give up. Refuse to give up. First John 5, 4. Let's close with this. 
It says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. You're an overcomer today. Let me declare it over your life. You're an overcomer today. Wes, you're an overcomer today. Church, you're an overcomer today. You may not feel like one right now, but you are. Why? Not because of who you are, but the power that works within us. Because of what he did, because of what we sang about this morning. My Savior's cross has set the sinner free. My Savior's cross has set the sinner free. I just was weeping down there as I sang it this morning. I'm free today, not because of who I am or what I can do. I'm free today because I have a Savior that loved me so much that he paid the ultimate price for my freedom. God, help me to walk in it. Help me to live in it. You've been born of God. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our 401k. No. Our faith. We can put trust in a lot of stuff. But ultimately, our peace, our joy, our safety, our security, our strength is in Jesus. I, I don't know. Maybe what's, what's discouraged you, what's holding you back, what's keeping you in bondage. Today's a day of freedom. Today's a day to be an overcomer. I just... I believe that for you. As a matter of fact, we're going to pray in just a minute. And as soon as we dismiss, maybe today, if, if you just want extra special prayer, if there's something in your life that's going on, we're going to be down here at the front after we dismiss. And I just want to believe with you that God will meet you in whatever need, concern, care of your life. Would you bow your heads as we pray this morning?